Testing one, two, three. Testing. I already did this while Michael was in the bathroom for the record. <laughs> well, now it's on the record. <laughs> That's good. All right, I'm ready when you are. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, watch for three seconds, then go. Three seconds is a long time. Hello, gentle listener, and welcome to Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch, the show where Michael, that's me, I'm your host, Michael Lilienthal, and Ethan, that's him, my guest, Ethan Bartlett. Hi, that's me, I'm his guest, Ethan Bartlett. We sit in a room and drink scotch and don't talk about it. Instead, we talk about other things. We talk about specifically books. That's what we do. That's what Michael and Ethan in a Room with Scotch is all about. So That was perhaps the least concise intro this show has ever had. I doubt it. I think we've done worse. I'm not sure. No, I'm pretty sure. It's definitely up there. Well, still, yeah, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, a, th- a few things to establish before we start. Uh, I, w- I want to announce this first, Ethan, that I uh, it's your fault, but I have set a personal goal. You know, it's good to have personal goals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and my personal goal is to break this podcast. <laughs> Isn't that what we've been trying to do, like, since the beginning? <laughs> yes, but now I'm going to really try. <laughs> I see. So, I'm going to break this podcast, and one thing I've done for that is I've written the rules down, which is my first mistake. Yeah, that is your first mistake. <laughs> I told you, you showed me the rules that you had written down. Mm-hmm. You sent me a text or something, yep. and I told you that was your first mistake. Like, now it's in writing. Now people can hold us to it. It's no longer deniable. I know, so. Like, when these podcasts go out over the airwaves, and people listen to them on their tape recorders, oh, oh my gosh. like, we can still, you know, pretend that they were faked or that... But now you've written these words physically down. Yep, yep. So I'm breaking it. So you're, yeah. I'm breaking the podcast. So, rule number one, once the scotch is poured and glasses have clinked with salutations, no one shall mention the scotch. And that, that's coming, you know. We'll, 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 you'll find out what we're drinking and then and then we'll, we'll do that. If the scotch is mentioned by any party, another party shall prescribe a punishment in the form of a verbal stunt to be performed by the offender by the end of the currently being recorded episode. It's all grammatically sound. Uh, it is. Also not the least wordy, once again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This penalty shall apply to the one who tra- transgresses any of the rules herein prescribed. Very good. So, that's that's rule number one. Did you include that sentence purely so you could use the phrase herein prescribed? <laughs> I'll never tell. <laughs> <laughs> I think you just did. Yeah. Rule number two. No mention of any mothers in a derogatory, pejorative, or any other than purely le- and legitimately literary sense shall be tolerated from any party. Excellent. So, that one's clear. Yes. Uh, everyone knows that knows what that means. Uh, rule number three. Any guest appearing on the podcast has the privilege to assign a new rule, as Josiah did when he was a guest. Yes. We don't have any guests on this episode. We're lonely. Just us. Don't <laughs> and worry, Michael. Don't worry. Erda and I will keep you from being lonely. Oh, thanks. We will both cuddle you if it oh, comes good. to that. Oh, good. I look forward to that. Rule number four. Michael shall not make mention of vampires unless textually quoted. Which was established in our last episode. Yes. I found that loophole. <laughs> <laughs> Number five. Ethan shall not utter the phrase first paragraph, even if literarily sound. Yes. <laughs> those, are the, those are the rules. That's it. They're the what now? They're the rules. How much scotch have we had already? None. We've had Zero none scotch. scotch. None scotch. <laughs> would you like to find out what we're drinking? I would. Because you know what? You know how much scotch we're actually going to drink? A lot. Wait, is it none? Did you go off the reservation it's here? It's none! What? 
We're drinking Wisconsin whiskey. Oh, from Great Northern. From Great Northern Distilling. Wisconsin whiskey is straight bourbon whiskey aged three years. Mm. Uh, this is, it's a local distillery. Um, I, I know where this is and I've been there. Um, and so I have had a dram of this before. So I'm coming in with a little bit of experience. Sure. But I figured, you know what? You picked a book that's not technically a novel. So I picked a whiskey that's not technically a scotch. That's true. That's yeah, true. Yeah, and so, so uh, that actually sort of balances structurally very nicely. Thank you. Thank you. You're, you're, welcome. you're I'm, welcome. I'm I'm trying to, you know. How, Which, how high in that vocal well, register are you going to be able to get, Michael? It's, it's going to be fine. We're, we'll do all right. Yep, this is good. I would like the gentle listener to note that no audio filters were applied just now. That was <laughs> legitimately how Michael sounds when he wants to. <laughs> anyway, let me tell you about this. this I, would, I would like you to tell Great me. Northern Wisconsin now, whiskey. Before you start, I yeah. will note that it does say straight bourbon whiskey on it. Yes. And this might be a little bit of a steep curve for me, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have faith mm -hmm. here, but usually I do not like bourbon. Mm -hmm. Bur I, I like scotch. I like rye. Um, you know, I like various other whiskeys, but bourbon is usually too sweet for me. We'll um, see what you think about this. And I've always said that, like, if someone put bourbon in my lap for free, I would still drink it, usually. You want me to put this in your lap? that's literally what's happening right now. He's, it is. Gentle listener, he's pouring it into my lap, <laughs> and I'm going to have my first dram in a very awkward, uh, uh <laughs> physical contortion. <laughs> you can do it. I believe in you. All right, proceed, proceed telling me about Great the, Northern the Distilling. This year, and that is 2017, uh -huh. this year marks our third anniversary of distilling handcrafted spirits from local ingredients. In celebration of hitting this milestone, we created this very limited release of our first three-year-old Wisconsin whiskey. While technically a bourbon, this mature whiskey has a flavor profile somewhere between Kentucky and Canada, making it a true Wisconsin original. <laughs> Very good. Uh -huh, see. Yeah. I'm also looking forward to this more now. Right? It's it, it's 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 an interesting choice. So, all right, I'm breaking the yeah. seal here. So we'll see. We'll see how this goes. It's a very nice sort of square glass bottle. Mm-hmm. I, I like all of their bottles to, are, are made this feel. way. Great Northern. So okay. let's see. Ready? Ah. Here's mud in your eye. Yep, that hurt. <laughs> All right, so the book we're discussing is Lost in the Cosmos. <laughs> yes, Michael, what's funny? <laughs> Nothing's funny. What Nothing, nothing just happened. <laughs> That's what I thought. Nope, nothing at all. Okay. The book, the book, the book, this book that I'm holding in my hands. <laughs> This is going so well. This is a great start. We're doing awesome. Nobody's listening. <laughs> they've all turned it off by now. <laughs> and I would not blame them. Nope, I wouldn't at all. Or they've or they've done that thing that we all did with our tape players where they've held nope. down the fast forward button. And, and we, So for a while to them, we've sounded like... And hopefully they've skipped past this part and are on to the good parts that will happen in the future. Right. Yeah. This They're... part has been skipped by. Yes. So we're we're off to the good parts of the episode right. already. So all right. So we can just skip this. All right. Okay. Sounds good. Good. Excellent. Uh, and now we're we're in the middle of talking about as as everybody knows because this isn't this far to the good part about we're talking about uh, Austin the Cosmos. <laughs> See, I did it like they had like, just, like they just had tuned skip. in in the yep, middle of yep, it. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. See, I'm I'm smart. Good, good job. That's, Thank you. That's good. <laughs> Lost in the Cosmos, the last self-help book by Walker Percy. 
Um, and as I pointed out, this is not a novel. Well, as you pointed out when you brought it, it's not a novel. It is a la- the last self-help book. It claims to be a self-help book. It claims to book. be a self-help book. And I, uh, as I expected, that's pretty much all tongue-in-cheek in this book. That Really? Yeah. That's shocking to me. Yeah, I know, right? You never saw that coming. Nope. Um, yeah, that's that's my great insight. No, this, this book, okay, so very interesting. Very, very interesting. Uh, I tried, when the book starts with a preliminary short quiz. Oh, this is literally the first question I was going to ask you, so go on. Okay, so when, when that preliminary short quiz came up, I tried answering every single question in a coherent and good and thorough way. Uh, it didn't go so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, because he's deliberately asking unanswerable questions. Yeah, um, and to even, like, make a run at fully answering any of them, I always feel like I would have to write sort of a short essay. Yeah. Certainly I wouldn't be able to write the question in the book. I'd have to get some separate sheets of paper. Right, exactly. Yeah, it's not going to fit in this book. I tried. Uh, and I'm proud really... of you for, for making an effort, though. Oh, That's thank you. More than I have actually ever done. Even when I first read this book. Okay, okay. So. That's, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's it's kind of the point, too. He doesn't necessarily want you to answer the questions. <laughs> uh, because, well, he implies answers to them, and... He, he doesn't overall... want you to answer them glibly. Yeah. In the way that you would normally write in an answer in yeah. a lot of actual self-help books. And that's and that's where the real self-help part comes in. Right. It, the, the reality of the self-helpness behind the facade of this is the last self-help book. Right. Um, is that he wants examination, thorough, clear examination of these things. And if you can think through these things clearly... And with understanding, then the book is helping you. <laughs> right. And also, like, as as sort of revealed to you, like, this this book, I think when you, as you read it through, it sort of opens itself to you like a, like a flower. Yeah. Um, like a rhetorical flower. And um, as is revealed later, it's, it's not even so much that this is a self-help book in the traditional sense that this will help you improve some some aspect of your personality or of your your psychology or something this is literally help for the concept of yourself yes and there's a lot of meditation yeah. on what constitutes a self what is the self what is the self yep um and it's almost like we have to answer that question of what the self mm-hmm. actually is before we could ever hope to to help that self right 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 you need to diagnose the self first right it's kind of um so uh i i wrote i I didn't write a lot in this book Uh uh-huh uh compared which is a little bit ironic because Uh, this is this is out of all the books that we've read this book asks you to write in it (laughs) probably the most out of anything (laughs) yeah yeah but at at the same time i felt like i would be you know kind of like that idea that i can't answer it glibly yeah uh if i were to write in the book it would be glib and sort of defeating the whole purpose of the book Right. To answer glibly. So I, 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 I made a few notes here and there, but overall, I didn't write a whole lot, which yeah, is unlike me. That's interesting. And I did notice that in some of the quizzes or the sub-quizzes or the sub-sub-quizzes, which for those of you who haven't read this book, <laughs> the book does have sub-sub-quizzes. Yes, it does. <laughs> um, you didn't even circle answers. Nope. Which I was... I, it doesn't surprise me necessarily, but I also wouldn't have been surprised if you had circled answers. Right. I, I did a, on occasion. When the spirit oh, moved me, okay. I circled okay. some answers. 
but granted this was just me like flipping through your copy like right. a nosy bastard while you were in the bathroom you so. jerk right i know you jerk I that know. should count as a as a as a fracture of the rules itself well, how would that be a fracture of the rules i don't know i that's, think that's we need to establish like a rule what... right now about what? flipping through somebody else's book while said person is in the bathroom that's a very specific rule. Yep, it is. And you just broke be... it, and so... <laughs> okay, first of all, we have established that you can't retrospectively break the rules. Have we established that? Yeah, because you, I would have had to punish, punish you so many times for saying vampire. I would have had to punish you so many times for saying vampire once we'd established that rule, if it were retroactive. Okay. So we could establish this rule now, but it would not. And furthermore, like... Like paging through your copies of these books while you're in the bathroom is half of the fun of this podcast oh okay the other that's, half but is... that's 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 the fun that the listeners don't get a chance to enjoy they they don't have the physical copies of our books no but then then i them. report on what i have found in my mm. espionage mission so all they have to go on is your hearsay yes so they have to trust you implicitly and your confirmation mike i didn't confirm anything i don't i didn't say anything well that's i no. you have in the past though. you can't prove anything I know, because you think you can get all the tapes and destroy them. Ugh. What, Michael? What? I'm going to go on. I'm gonna do you just... not think that there are tapes? Nope, there are no tapes. Because then, if there are no tapes, then I can prove something. No. And you, you lose. No, that's not. I think you just lost. I don't think I did. Oh, didn't you? No. Well, <laughs> let's review the tapes. <laughs> <laughs> Michael set out to break this podcast, but instead this podcast has broken him. <laughs> Could have been a contender. Oh, man. What? I just thought of something in my head that is completely unrelated to anything. Oh, okay. All right. Unrelated to anything. Yep. All right. Literally a, a vacuum thought. A floating vacuum. in a void. Ooh, ooh. And devouring all that surrounds it and making it itself, which is nothing. Wait, what would that make that thought then? A vacuole. Oh, oh! You're such a tease. <laughs> oh, I'm so happy with myself. Um, yep. I wanted to come back at you, but the only WHI word I can think of is whiny, and it doesn't really work. <laughs> uh, no. 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 Uh, so I wrote near the beginning of this book. Yes. Uh, in one of the few notes that I did make. Uh, under the preliminary short quiz, where it introduces a preliminary short quiz. Mm. Uh, it says there, so that you may determine whether you need to take the 20-question self-help quiz, which is the book. Yes. Yeah, the 20-question the self-help quiz is the book. So, Beyond the, the first uh, however many, right. maybe 30 pages that that is the preliminary quiz and the introductory matter. Yes. Oh, it's not even. It's not even that. It's like 10 pages, 10 maybe. pages, yeah. yeah, of the preliminary short quiz. So if you take that, then you can determine... Whether you need to take the 20 questions self-help quiz, which you might say whether you need to read the rest of the book. Yes. So, uh, and then he says there, if you can answer these questions, you are not lost in the cosmos, uh, which is very provocative. Uh, and the idea of being the lost in the cosmos is the name of the book. Right. And he's trying to help the self that is lost in the cosmos. And so I wrote underneath that, and if you are not... That is not lost in the cosmos. That is, if you can answer these questions and are not lost in the cosmos, then this book will convince you that you are. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's interesting. And you know, this this book essentially is a giant rhetorical like finger in your ribs. 
Yes. Is what this book is. It's just accurate. It's prodding you. It's trying to trying to provoke you. Um, mm-hmm. And even it, it, Percy is masterful at at this uh, this rhetoric. Just he's, he's just a, a masterful in his use of language here. In that he's literally dangling the prospect of you not needing to read this book in front of you to get to provoke you in yet another way. Like he he almost doesn't care. You get the sense if he doesn't care if you read this book, uh, so long as the provocation has taken hold. Right, right, yep. As it, it's all diagnosis. It calls itself the last self help book, tongue in cheek, as I said. But it's really all about diagnosis. Mm-hmm. It's all about convincing you that you are lost in the cosmos. It's not about helping you get out of that lost state. It's about helping you see that you are in that lost state, which one might say is the first step. That's exactly what out, I would say. You know, you know and, and uh, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's it's all about uh, uh, convincing you that you are lost in the cosmos in the sense that you have to be convinced that you have, for example, uh, uh, infection before you will take antibiotics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're convinced that this 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 uh, all your symptoms are just in your head or that they're because, you know, your house is dusty and you need to get into a less dusty environment, then you won't take the antibiotics that you need. You need to have that successful diagnosis first. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Uh, and that's precisely what this whole book is driving at. Yeah. Um, I- including the little, uh, what, the 40-page excursus on um, semiotics. semiotics and, yeah. What is that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> an intermezzo of some 40 pages. Yes. Um, that, that itself is also, like, at... It's the most intellectual portion of the book, right? I don't know if that's maybe the right word for it. it the most, the of... most uh, sort of obviously intellectual or traditionally intellectual. Yes, portion. yes, where it's it's read more like a textbook. Yeah, or in like a lot a, of ways, uh, or even like a um, formal philo- philosophical. Discourse. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, uh, where it's all about semiotics and and the idea of the self as sign user sign maker sign interpreter all those things uh, and how signs relate to the self which does relate to the rest of the book but even there in that aspect of teaching you about how the self uses signs it's teaching you that the self is lost because it needs to use these signs (laughs) right yeah or that or that uh the basically this is what you just said but the the very nature of being someone who uses signs cries out for someone else to use the signs with yeah. to the point that that you know the people who think long term and big picture about this sort of thing start to feel very lost within their own species like if mm-hmm. we're the only species that uses signs there's nothing else in the universe that we can communicate with like that idea gets very lonely very quickly yeah so even this the study of semiotics which uh um Roughly the time that that Percy would have been probably forming his his uh um you know intellect his intellectual influences sort of mid twentieth century semiotics was considered almost the uh the discipline that was going to save us the discipline that was going to sort of solve mm. all of the paradoxes of you know suggested by say um you know straight evolutionism or uh you know, the the various sort of dead ends that modernism and postmodernism got into. Um, mm-hmm. Semiotics, according to some at least, was supposed to, to rescue us from that. Yeah. Um, 
you know, and in pointing out the very good and, and insightful work that Semiotics has done, Percy has also managed to, to make to lose us again. Mm-hmm. He's, he's managed to show that that even following Semiotics to its logical conclusion, we're we're back lost in the cosmos just as surely as if we're nothing more than you know a, a meaningless. A bit of primordial ooze that got in over its head existentially. <laughs> yeah. It's so dense. And I understand why you've read it so many times. Uh-huh. Because it, I am sure that there would be more I would draw out of it on a second or third or fourth read. Absolutely. Um, just because it is so intricate and interwoven with itself. Right. Uh, going back and forth and... Uh, about you know showing how the self finds itself but then equally loses itself by the same means right uh with such such things as semiotics so yeah that that idea that this is supposed to save us but doesn't no. um makes a lot of sense now that you say it that um, um yeah and i mean it's truly one of those you know part of the reason that i that i felt comfortable putting it on this podcast even though it's not a novel in the traditional sense is that it's very much literature Mm -hmm. in all of the other possible senses and one of them being um you know you mentioned that i have read this book so many times uh (laughs) even once i it got to the point where i felt like i understood everything that the book was saying which did take multiple readings for me um it's still in that in that classic literary vein of every time i reread it if any appreciable time has passed since the last time I read it, something else hits me in a different way. Mm-hmm. And like, I knew it was in there, but, but applying it to my particular like day, let alone, you know, broader life period, um, you know, it has, it has always resonated differently. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, to me, that's like the, the mark of something that's truly just insightful that gets right at, Right at the, uh, uh, what did Ravelstein call it? The, um, the hidden world or the... The, the real reality. The real reality, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And there are, there are connections to be made, uh, between those, those two. Uh, the, the idea of the real reality is something that's underneath, something underlying all of this, um, that ap- appears... You, you know it's there, but you can't find it, you can't touch it, you can't get to it. Right. Kind of, you know, well, it's it's the signified for the sign. Right. Um, it, to put it in semiotics terms, the the self wants the real reality, but it has to deal with the signs, and it gets right. lost in the signs. That's kind of the connection to be made. Right. That, as yeah. I see it. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. So... Did you have somewhere else you were wanting to go right Something now? Something maybe a little unrelated, but a, a question that it's it's a trend. You know, you're talking about this book as literature in every other sense. Yes. Uh, and one of those senses would be finding the motifs, finding the, the themes that run through it. Yes. And there is something that runs through this book, and I, I was able to find one instance that I noticed. Sure. That I, I have a question for you about, because okay. you've read it more than I have. And I was not necessarily able to find an answer to it. Uh, so I'm looking at page 187 at the bottom, the, the last paragraph. We're, I think we're, how, how far in are we? We're, we're near the end of this Yeah, we're here. getting there. And the, um, the questions do get longer as they go. Oh, on. yeah. So I think this is question 18. 18, that seems right, yeah. 
Somewhere, somewhere in the middle. Somewhere there. Um, Michael and I are both using the Picador USA printing from what looks like a three. Uh, uh, the the first edition was from April of two thousand. I think this is oh, the it. current version that's that's in print. So, um, so there are older. You versions. should find it. Hey, hey, hold on! Before we talk about this. Oh, we they didn't need to do... get a chance to, to to read this. I had sort of been thinking they did it while they were fast forwarding earlier. Yeah, that makes sense. But, but they we probably can, did. We can, but we can but do for the those thing, who though. fast forwarded without thinking, you know, that's true. Without some of our listeners don't think doing, about the implications of what they're that's doing. That's true. And they need to. Oh my gosh, you guys! Yeah, you like, guys, think just, about your actions. Guys, come on, like put that down. Actions have consequences. Put that down. No, put that. Don't smoke nope. that. No, no. Um, you smoked it, and it doesn't even light on fire. We told so you not now to. Now, how does how and, do you feel? You know, I hate to say I told you so, but I really love to say I told you so. That's you just. That's not even a thing. What you just directly can't contradicted yourself. You can't prove anything. I tried to say canceled and contradict. I literally can just run this podcast back right now no. and play back for you the Pretty part where sure. you contradicted yourself. Pretty sure you can't. All right. Uh, and also, my statement stands. So anyway, we're we're cutting over into their reading time. Yeah. Yep. All right. Okay. All right. So go ahead and and read the book. We'll we'll let you have a chance. Go ahead. Right. Super intense. So, Who are you? Who so, are you? Ask yourself. Who are you? You don't even know anymore. You don't even know if you have a self. You don't know. You, you don't know. Don't, don't try to tell me you know. If you Stop have it. A self. Shut yeah. up. You don't Just know. Just shut up. What are you Get doing? Back off. Language back like off. that. Hey. 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 I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. We're gonna. I want. Gonna you, I want you. I want you to know that Michael's dog across the room when Michael just said "Hey." Got very defensive on our behalf. She so did. if you and come at us again, well, but now she's asleep again. She's so. oh, she literally just she snored. just snored. Way we to shouldn't go. have. We shouldn't have told them that. No, uh, no, we, we, no. She's vicious and she'll attack you. And she will and stuff. You know it. Anyway, anyway. she she definitely doesn't sneeze instead of barking most of the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it's true. She chokes on her own barks. <laughs> <laughs> which I mean, which of us doesn't? For that, yeah, matter. yeah. Okay, so you were you were trying to ask a question. Yeah, like, I was okay. Okay, like okay. the listener reading an entire book ago. Yep, yep, yep. All right. So now that you've read the book, turn back, and I know you've read this by now. Uh, turn to page one eighty seven. One eighty seven. One eighty seven. At the bottom, it's. Uh, I'm going to read this this full paragraph that starts at the bottom of page one eighty seven. <clears throat> I am only trying to make sense of a peculiar phenomenon, hardly to be ignored, the sudden and unprecedented appearance of florid sexual behavior and the overt and covert practice of violence to the point of rendering cities unlivable, of nice people like Europeans and Americans killing each other by the millions, and with it, the very real possibility for the first time in history that we may destroy ourselves in the near future. Uh, so aside from this being uh, like Cold War era sort of stuff... Right. Right. Uh, which is what was the very real fear in the mid eighties and, and yeah, and you such. do have to keep in mind. I, I said that the printing was from the year two thousand, but this book was originally published in eighty three. Yeah, which was perhaps one of it does show. Yeah, <laughs> it does yeah, show. It on absolutely occasion. does. Um, yeah, you know, and that's I, I I suspect sometimes that this may be why this book doesn't get more play. Other because than, it's a little dated. Yeah, other than like the fact that it See, completely challenges all of our comfortable notions of of uh everything other yeah. than that it does read as a little bit dated um yeah a little bit but but you know also, i think other great literature has lasted despite being more dated than this right well i mean you can think even about like shakespeare and how dated yeah. a lot of that is but still to the point that some passages are completely incomprehensible to yep, us. yep nobody knows what that means right nobody knows undo this button <laughs> yep what what button? <laughs> what button? <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. I always, I always like to imagine that there was, this was like 
some popular skit like on the street that the globe Theater Ooh, like was that. on I like or something that. and it was just a reference to that yeah and they just wrote it wrote it into the, yeah. the porto or the folio just like everyone will get this in yeah. 100 years right yeah totally well and like the songs too in shakespeare when they would sing a lot of them were like popular songs or sung to the tunes of popular songs yeah. that everybody knew but nobody knows now right um yeah yeah what are, what are we talking about uh Florid sexual behavior. Florid sexual behavior. No, uh, uh, actually, what I wanted to talk about, uh, and besides the fact that it's it's got those dated references, it is still yeah. universally applicable. Um, right. So, and rant. Um, <laughs> and what? And rant. Oh, yes. Yeah. Very good. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> Take a bow and proceed. Okay. Uh, now, on to my point bows. that I started like 20 minutes ago, Ethan. Uh, blaming it was you. it was the reader yeah i know they read really slowly they do come on you yeah guys, guys come on Stop should not take that long smoking unnatural things get, get buckled down here um so the way this sentence this this paragraph puts it is the sudden and unprecedented appearance of this florid sexual behavior and such um and so forth and and all the other uh moral degradation things yes and that is at least the last instance i can find where i marked it in my book Mm -hmm. that there's reference to an event a previous event leading up to the status of the modern self being lost and he does that occasionally that there is an event and i while i was while while we were letting the reader while the listener read Mm -hmm. i did find another instance on page 145 um the it might be a little bit lighter uh, of an instance but uh right in the middle of the page uh-huh. in the middle of the second paragraph uh that the present world is in some sense deranged the center is not holding that the plight of the self of the artist writer is at least in part a historical phenomenon and not an essential property of being an artist writer uh, and so that instance it's a historical phenomenon sure uh so the idea of this lostness of self being an historical phenomenon, and there I said an historical instead of a historical. I go back and forth on that. I don't. I don't know whether I say an or a. I, I, don't, I, I don't say it both ways. Are you Let done? That sink in. No. Uh, so, but uh, the the idea that it's an historical phenomenon there, I did an again, uh, or has some uh, uh, pre-existing. Usually, it takes you longer to get this digressive. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it's it's the nature of the book. It's causing me to digress into myself and out of myself at the same time, and I don't oh, know where oh. I'm going because I'm lost in the cosmos. Um, so that's if we know, just... if we could do advertisements for this book, I would <laughs> so do it. Lost in the cosmos. I was about to say if we could clip that that clip of you just saying that and put that right at the beginning of the episode. Yeah, we get. That would just get everybody right into the mood. Everybody would be right along with us immediately. We're that's lost good. in the cosmos. There you go. Hey, that was good. I yeah, liked thank that. You, thank you. Thank thank you. That, was, that was very, very thank nice. Um, yeah. So, uh, what event is he talking about? That's my question. Um, that is a that is a really good question. Uh, so, are you talking on one eighty seven? Are you talking specifically about the sudden and unprecedented appearance of florid sexual behavior? Yeah, uh, florid sexual behavior and the overt and covert practice of violence. Um, yeah. Okay. Which which so, is related to all of this lostness of self that this and it's in, sudden and unprecedented and it appeared. But how, why, what started it, what did it? The particular passage you point out is actually, I feel, one of the weaker passages where he talks about this sort of thing. Yeah, it was the only one I could find. Um, <laughs> in that, like, it's it's confusing because it almost sounds like he's talking about a, a recent historical phenomenon, but also sort of a, a universal to the human race phenomenon. Sure. Um, 
And I know, I know there are several places, and I personally didn't mark any of them, <laughs> um, but where he does talk about this idea that there was some, seems to have been some sort of break early in human history that, um, you know, and, and he, he draws it on an evolutionary timeline back to sometime after uh, sign users started appearing as opposed to simple, like, animals or, or apes or whatever you want to mm-hmm. uh, call the, the predecessor there. Um that somehow we, at some point, he uses the phrase, we fell into the pit of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't think he can, he, or he is using, saying, the sudden appearance of florid sexual behavior in, like, a last, say, hundred years thing. Um, you know, because florid sexual behavior goes back at least to the Romans that we know of. Um, that we can historically document. Yeah, that we can historically document. Like they, they uh, pretty provably practiced anything that we do now. Um, yep. And you know, more. and uh, uh, the Greeks also had some uh-huh. practices that almost even sound strange to us now, or, or uh, um, if not unnatural, then at least un- unbecoming, mm-hmm. uh, to put it to put it mildly. Um, so you know. This this seems like much more of a historical phenomenon, um, and he's he's almost in this one paragraph telescoping a lot of history, um, yeah, you know, and and trying to say like what happened, <laughs> what did we do? Um, and I would draw the connection to like one of the one of the last the last um, uh. One of the very last questions in the book, um, which has precedence in some of the other questions, but I know it's on the very last page um, when when a, an extra he posits an extraterrestrial intelligence contacting Earth, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it, in sort of a summary of the major themes of of all of what he's written, um, he has this, these extraterrestrials ask us, "Are you in trouble?" How did you get in trouble? Mm-hmm. If you are in trouble, have you sought help? If you did seek help, did help come? If help did come, did you accept it? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, almost the, the best comparison, I think, uh, for for all of these, this, this you know, violence and, and um, he doesn't use the word unnatural, but it's sort of hanging heavily like a a hamlet's father's ghost over the over the whole Mm -hmm. paragraph um the comparison i think is almost to the the natural world and there's certainly you know violence in the natural world and there's certainly uh um non-procreative sexual behaviors in the natural world Mm -hmm. let us say but they are not nearly as as widespread you don't see sure you don't see or mass... culture defining yeah yeah <laughs> like you don't see mass scale monkey genocide right um you know lions will come in and, and kill the previous pack but that's still a much more lo- or the previous uh you know the, pride. the yeah like like when male lions take over a, a new pride they kill the the children and the men of the previous pride yep um which like you know, you could say it's horrifying, but it's still practiced on a much more localized scale than anything humans have done to each other. Right. Um, it, it reminds me of, of uh, uh, Mark Twain late in his life and some of his, his 
darker writings talked about the descent of man mm. twain said you know darwin has this this uh sort of pretty and and twain almost calls it naive uh um idea of the the ascent of man man from the lower animals that man got got more complex and better but twain uh reverses it and talks about the descent of man from the higher animals in that man is the only animal that 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 envies um the only animal that hates you know doesn't doesn't this book do kind of the same thing oh absolutely it, it does branch yeah. into darwinism uh and evolution and such um i made a note uh, oh i've got uh, uh there's Michael a thought experiment rewinding the tape here <laughs> nope uh, bottom of page 164, if I can just go into this. They, you Absolutely. know, this book lends itself, I think, more than a lot of the other books we've read on this podcast to just reading whole passages. Absolutely. Um, well, especially because, because... they're posed as questions. Exactly. I was going to say, they're <laughs> essentially discussion points. Right, exactly. Like, so, in one sense, this is the easiest book I could have ever picked for us to read on this you podcast. You wanted it to be lazy. <laughs> in the, I did. Because, in a sense, he's just laid out all of our discussion points right. for us. He said, here's, here's what you talk about on your podcast, Michael and Ethan. Yeah, no, like, if, if we... Not that we ever seem to run out of things to say about a text one way or another but if we did i could just start at at page uh page one or page four or whatever you know with the pre preliminary short quiz um and we could just discuss all of those we questions could, we, that would take us through yeah we could go through that and probably take up two hours two, just two doing hours that easily. yeah um yeah yeah so anyway uh so bottom of right. page 164 thought experiment uh and uh for whatever your religious persuasion is here uh willingly suspend your disbelief in this paragraph yeah uh, i'm gonna make a point about it uh thought experiment you are a high school student in school you attend biology class where you are taught model modern evolutionary theory on sunday you go to church where you hear the story of creation from a from a fundamentalist preacher then you go to college and hear a liberal professor theologian who teaches a class on science and the world's great religions. You speak to the professor theologian about the dispute between the preacher and the biology teacher. The professor theologian smiles and says, both are right. Genesis is a mythical account of the origin of the cosmos, the origin of life, and the origin of man. There is a certain truth in this myth. There are other cosmological myths, each valid in its own way. There is such a thing as mythical truth. Indeed, the neo-Darwinian theory of evolution through mutations and natural selection is in fact more impressive evidence in, of God's majesty than the notion that God created the millions of species by separate and ar arbitrary acts of creation like a child modeling a menagerie out of clay. Um, well, and the student goes on and rejects that too and says, no, none of this is good. Of them, really. Yep, yep. Um, but that, uh, that put me in mind of another uh, C.S. Lewis work. An okay. essay, in fact, called Is Theology Poetry? Uh-huh. Um, and in that essay, uh, as I gathered from the context of the essay, he was uh, assigned to write that essay or speech and deliver huh. it to a, a college uh, or something. Um, if I'm remembering right, it's been a couple of years since I've read it. But uh, what has stuck out to me is he said, I had to figure out what the question meant. <laughs> uh, and ultimately he kind of, well, maybe ultimately, at least somewhere along in there, he comes down on the idea that is theology poetry means is the biblical teaching uh, of creation, of sanctification, redemption, justification, all of that stuff, is that story equatable to an epic poem? Hmm. Is kind of how he comes down on it. And he says, well, no. 
compared to the epic poems, it's lame. It limps <laughs> because, uh, and, and someone else did this really great, and that would be uh, John Milton with uh-huh. Paradise Lost. Uh-huh. And the epic hero of Paradise Lost is Satan. Right. Uh, the idea of having to... to strive against all odds strive against omnipotence to create yourself um that's that's something that speaks to the heroic idea uh in our eyes and that was something that lewis was talking about too with like uh the big bang and and evolution and such that if god's not involved then yeah that's a really epic poem Uh that the big bang happened life came out of nowhere and worked itself up and fought against all odds and somehow against everything life survived so there's the the epic poem of darwinianism versus uh the which here it says it's in fact more impressive evidence of god's majesty that's more impressive that's more epic that's more poetry than creationism or just the idea of of a sort of as he says, modeling of every creature out of clay. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think was, there was a bigger point to that, but... I was wondering if there was. I, I, there was, and I Are lost Are you trying it. to answer the the um, uh, the question or, or put yourself in the place of the student and make some point about that? No, not necessarily. <laughs> I was trying to help you, uh, but... Uh, thank you. Thanks for trying. I, no. <laughs> no, it, it is an interesting point, uh all by itself um, i forget where how we got to that point well we were talking about the ascent of man versus the yeah yeah yeah, of yeah, man. yeah yeah um that, that that's that's where, where it was and and this idea of believing in um this evolutionary theory uh, yeah. and going through that idea that 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 itself is an effort to believe in the ascent of man yeah right um yeah, which is sort of sort of where it goes originally, and it's it's interesting with your commentary added to sort of uh, sort of my my comments about Mark Twain puts Twain mm-hmm. in what I can legitimately feel his ghost uh, being uncomfortable with <laughs> with the position that he's in as more on the position of the uh, the Christian side than 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 not. <laughs> um, you know, I was I was reading a biography of Twain recently, and. Uh, it, it, it talks about you know a lady some some great like presbyterian church lady type coming up to him and and saying uh you know the the almighty must just adore you and to, <laughs> to the lady's face he said oh well th- thank you you know that's that's very nice of you to say but as she walked away he turned to some of his friends and said she must not have heard of our uh quarrels um <laughs> is in the almighty and, and mark twain and you know so so uh it's it's interesting that that sort of a uh, um formulation of things puts Twain almost more on the side of man as something someone who has somehow descended that some great event mm-hmm. has has knocked him off an op- upward trajectory and uh you know knocked him back down towards the the muck yeah uh, I found another instance of where it seems to be an event, uh-huh. and that's on page 43, and that's uh, one of the multiple co- choice answers to the question, do Americans as well as other Westerners prefer sexual variety, both heterosexual and homosexual, because, and then we get down to E, 
E, Western man is promiscuous because something unprecedented has happened. Mm-hmm. Where something has happened. There's an event here. Um, uh, da, 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 as a consequence of the science, scientific and technological revolution. So he's maybe getting a little more specific with something yeah. that's happened. Uh, there has occurred a displacement of the real as a consequence of which genital sexuality has come to be seen as the substratum of all human relationships, of friendship, of love, and the rest. The displace- this displacement has come to pass as a consequence of lay misre- misperception of the physicist's quest for establishing a molecular or energest- energi- energic basis for all interactions and of what is perceived as Freud's identification of genital sexuality as the ground of all human relationships. Okay. So, okay, so there is a <laughs> suggestion there, then, of a more recent phenomenon. Yes, um, which, more which recent. some other, uh, you know, theorists along the lines of Walker Percy uh, have suggested similar things. Uh, Marshall McLuhan is the one who comes to mind, hmm. um, perhaps because he is another one of sort of the most influential writers on my own thinking. Um, so he, Percy, formulates this question, at least, which you have to be careful to mention that he's formulating this as a question. As a potential answer. Yes, like, as opposed the, the, to... The implied question is, do you think this is true? Exactly. <laughs> as opposed to, um, you know saying that this is necessarily what he thinks right it sort of in in this book if it were better known i think would lend itself to misquoting sort of in the way that oh yeah that um shakespeare often does for example like when people people uh say well discretion is the better part of valor or brevity is the soul of wit right (laughs) and don't indicate that both of those things were said by a character who is an idiot yep who gets himself killed more or less through his own his lack own of discretion and lack of discretion and, and lack of brevity and and lack of everything that he extols as a virtue. Yep. yep. Um, it's fun yeah. to take stuff out of context. Right. Which is yeah, this this book if you try to quote this book, you if if you were to throw a dart at this book at an open page in this book, you're more likely to hit a quote that would be taken out of context and, and used badly context. if yep. you just used it by itself. Yep. Huh, almost like the Bible that way. Ooh! Oh! Anyway, um, so, like I said, I'm being very careful to, to say that this is just a, a suggestion and not yes. necessarily uh, an answer. Right. But, um... He still kind of implies an event of some kind. And here possibly something a little more recent than right. like ancient history and the the scientific and technological revolution um you i would i would say uh uh me and not walker you and not walker i would Let's say, establish that this is ethan speaking this is not percy walker god rest his soul walker percy um i, I was i was i was doing the whole like you know his name if you found it in a card catalog no. Oh, that thing. Yeah, that thing. That, that way that people talk. That mostly. way that people talk all the time. Ever. Yep. Um, people talk like card catalogs. Like what? <laughs> card catalogs. Oh, I thought you said cog catalogs. Cog catalogs? Sent me off on a whole catalogs. steampunk <laughs> tangent. Also, <laughs> if I'm not allowed to reference tape recorders like they're a real thing, you're <laughs> definitely not allowed to say that people talk like card catalogs. Um, <laughs> I'm which I'm sure I'm assuming that this... this uh, broadcast going out through a podcast medium, I'm assuming that approximately 74% of our listeners have no idea what a card catalog is. <laughs> Google it. <laughs> You'll find out. Um, no, Google will implode if you if you Google it. Cause it's I'm like, pretty sure it won't. It would be like going back in time and Googling your grandfather before your grandfather existed. That, no? Because like the card catalog is the ancestor of Google. Don't Google card catalogs right now. Yeah, gonna We're going to all blow up. 
Yeah, no, okay. No, don't don't be doing that. I'm just looking at a lovely picture of you. Ugh. So. Why did I do that? Yeah, I know, I love it. I hadn't even uh, yeah. started recording yet, if you know what I mean. <laughs> what do you mean? I'm not sure. Uh, okay. I'm not sure what I mean. Okay. Um, sorry it took me so long to respond, I was trying to think of a good response. Oh, is that what was happening? Yep. You were thinking. I was thinking. I'm always thinking. Thinking, that's something that rhymes with thinking. Um, like what? Like what? <laughs> like shrinking? Like, uh, blinking? Blinking? Were you blinking? Is that I do blink about? a lot when I think. That's true. So, could be that. And when you think, and there's a shrink, it makes you blink. And also stink. And also stink. Because our sessions last many days and I don't shower during them. Right, that's enough to drive you to the brink. <laughs> feel like we're delivering all this with a wink oh <laughs> uh, that's well, too much away well, from you i'm going to slink while wearing mink <laughs> um okay so uh basically yeah the the industrial revolution made us sex pots that's that's what i've been trying to say for like the Got last it. 20 minutes michael so, all right okay so <laughs> if nothing else you know and i and i'm very careful again like like marshall McLuhan was um to avoid sort of an idea of technological determinism sure right like gotcha. oh this technology happened therefore, therefore inevitably this yeah right but avoiding well, that but you like... can still say that the 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 uh, industrial revolution and the technological revolution yeah. all led to the gestalt of all of these things all led to the advent of a mass communication world yes um which is something that's unprecedented uh, sure. Before perhaps, well, before the invention of the printing press, for sure. Yeah. Um, you could not have probably ever predicted that this would happen. That there would be right. a world where, uh, you know, us recording a dumb podcast in northern Wisconsin could potentially start a revolution on the other side of the world. Well, I'm not saying I might that dispute that has happened or is going to happen. Sure, but it could. Because I might... we could quite easily sure, sure. record this podcast. Well, the, the instantaneous influence yeah, exactly. of mass communication. Well, That's not, and not only now. that, but the broad influence of mass communication. See, even there, I'm going to disagree with you. Okay, Because there, uh, well, um, uh, there, there are instances of, like, um, my, my, my background in uh, theology and, and uh, a little bit of uh, textual archaeology and textual criticism and such. Sure. Uh, there used to be this theory that's that's kind of losing favor, even though some curmudgeons are holding to it, of uh, text families, especially in like okay. the New Testament, where you've got this this family of Greek New Testaments that are dialectically based in this region of the world, and then there's another family that's di- uh, uh, dialectically based in this region of the world. However, recent discoveries have shown that those families are interspersed all over the place. Sure. Uh, and, and don't actually limit themselves, but have transported themselves halfway across the world, each of those. Sure. Uh, so, like, the, 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 the transmission over time is what's really changed. Yeah. Well, uh, and I feel like a lot of uh, archaeology and, and history, especially as you get more ancient in your history over the last hundred years, has been learning yes. the lesson that, like, uh, civilizations and texts and stories don't stay as atomized and localized right. as would make for an easy sort of region-by-region region study. Right. Um, and that's certainly true. 
So you could you could say to sort of reformulate what I was saying before sure. you could you could say not that this is a new phenomenon but that it's an accelerated phenomenon that I am with you on that you know and and it you could you could even trace it back to the transition from an oral culture or oral cultures dominating to right. written cultures dominating yep. which yep. you know goes back solid 2500 3000 years at least right um, if not more uh you know what once you 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 can transmit oral stories you can transmit stories that have to be passed from listener to listener um you can do that orally but once you have something written down that can be copied word for word Mm -hmm. um and once you have a technology as simple as as paper and and a pen to write on paper with uh it becomes much easier to transport ideas and to transport texts um and even you know if you have say Mm -hmm. recipes or or schematics ways to build things transport things like that to communicate you know in a in a broader uh uh, way with more of the world more easily and more and more quickly yeah um and that's starting in in fact uh at the time of of christ and in that in the first century a.d when the the gospel texts are being written um the the that you know paper and and written communication being as developed as they were combined with yeah and widespread combined with sort of the roman road system meant that a text like any of the gospels or or paul's letters or any of Mm -hmm. the other you know documents that make up the new testament was able to spread much more easily and much more quickly mm-hmm. more than it ever had been able to before exactly and then jump ahead 1400 years and you get the gutenberg exactly. press uh, which which is the multiplies. same phenomenon again yeah accelerated mm-hmm. um and then again jump another forward 500 another years. five six hundred years to the advent of electronic communication oh. um the which telephone and, and you know telegraph. and like and then internet <laughs> and the internet and especially web 2.0 yeah um you know the more recent internet where you can tra- you can communicate almost any form of communication that we've developed in the last all of human history yep you can transmit that so much with so much so many more copies and so much more widespread yep. than you ever could before to and the point that media instantaneously yeah media theorists are essentially saying that that our generation people who are alive today are as different from people who were alive a hundred years ago as people after the printing press were different from anyone who lived before them. Hmm. Um, you know, some media theorists are saying that, that the difference and, and, you know, the, the reformulation of psychology is that stark. I'd buy it. I'd, I'd read their studies, but I'd buy it. <laughs> yeah. No, in, in general, I, I tend to buy it. Yeah. Um, and you know again the if the gentle listener wants more on this uh and wants someone who to read someone who could predict the advent of facebook in 1970 um reading all of marshall McLuhan will will do you no harm there you go um so to bring this back so if if nothing else the the you know uh technological advancements of the industrial revolution and the and the following Mm -hmm. age of of mass communication um with all the good they did yeah if there if there is an event that you know that that percy seems to be um uh talking about here specifically within that era um the event might almost be more like a a concentration all of the Mm -hmm. thought and the the philosophy that that 
which might be prevalent at a given time sort of gets concentrated and then spread out much more easily like a virus so um and the the uh the the philosophy that was um prevalent at the time say say a hundred years ago or so was very sex obsessed this is when freud becomes Mm -hmm. you know a a big thing um this is when we're starting sort of the the modernist notion of of disregarding all of the old institutions be Mm -hmm. they be they church or university or whatever um and this this leads me back to another quote from c.s lewis which i say quote but i'm going to paraphrase because i don't know the exact quote but essentially what lewis said is that Anything that's good about humanity, if you emphasize it to enough of a degree, becomes problematic. Yeah. Um, and Lewis, he was talking about sex specifically, but he he used a food analogy. He said, you know, food is good and, you know, there's great pleasure to be had from food. But if food was what we were obsessed with to the point that it was on every billboard, it was in every, you know, all of literature was sort of reformulated to talk about food um you know food was was almost became like a a fetish um that would eventually be a problem Mm -hmm. um and if there's if there is a more recent event that that percy is talking about i think he's talking about the the fetishization of genital sex sure essentially Hmm. fascinating so that's i think we started that question approximately 20 minutes ago i think i think you're right 20 25 but, something like that yeah yeah that's good but so, we only digress slightly and ever yeah you know all, all over the place lots of it lots of digressions so yeah okay so the event there see um with that that event i, I i'm with you with the industrial Re- revolution uh and kind of the the amalgamation mm-hmm. of ideas and and things all together uh it's it's not an event that's necessarily nailed down or if it is that's part of walker percy's question is what is it where was the right. point where was that turning point but it's not something that can necessarily be nailed down and because of that therein we have this need for the self-help book because we can't nail down the problem so to speak yeah in all of this we need to figure out uh in general terms right um and i i certainly don't think he would say and this is is me guessing here just based on having read this book six times but i don't Not think... actually talking to walker percy right because he's which dead. i haven't because he's been dead since 1990 when yeah, i was when one. you were one um and you were one <laughs> i was one um now if only if only we'd had the foresight to go and knock on his door <laughs> in 1990 and ask him what he was thinking. <laughs> um, he would have said, how is the baby doing this? Um, we would have become a chapter in his book. <laughs> <laughs> it would have begun, so guys, the weirdest thing just happened to me. <laughs> and I know that this is a stylistic break from everything I've been writing, but seriously, the weirdest, the weirdest thing, thing just happened, happened to me. These two babies. These two babies showed up and they said, for our podcast in 28 years, we would like to ask you... And I said, what's a podcast? (laughs) Anyway. Don't worry. You'll never find out. (laughs) Also, you're going to die this year. And and I was like, what? Guys, what? (laughs) Anyway. um, Is that true? Guys, help. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we were just like, have you received an answer? Have you asked for for help? Have you received help? If you've received help, have you accepted the help? And he was like, I just had an inspiration for the end of my book. Boom. Um, anyway, I don't think he would, he would 
pin this down as a historical phenomenon in the sense of like on May fourteenth, seventeen ninety seven. But yeah, I think that's all I was actually gonna. No, say. yeah, no, no, he wouldn't pin it down as no, an actual and, date. But the but that's the part of like, like what the provocation is. Yeah, exactly. W- what happened? What happened? What happened? When did it happen? Why did it, it happen? Why did it happen? If it did happen, how would you know it happened? How would you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, with that deep question, gentle listener, this episode draws to a close. Uh, so, next month, gentle listener... Wait. What? We we're only on episode one. Yeah, I know. So, don't introduce the book yet. No, I know. I'm not going okay, to. Okay, good. Uh, Just making I, sure. I, well, I'm not going to introduce it to you, but I'm going to introduce it to the gentle listener. Next month, gentle listener, we're going to be reading... And the Mountains Echoed by Khaled Hosseini... Are you going to do, like, some audio editing magic and I put in the book? I don't know. How is that going to happen? I don't know. Yeah. I've never used so, Audacity editing software. That doesn't... It doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. It hasn't been invented yet. So, no. Nope. We're not time travelers. <laughs> what? Nor are we one. What? Actually, if we were one, it would explain a lot about this show, but... Yeah. Yeah, that would. That would answer a lot of questions. Good. So... All right. So, feel free to re- read along with... Uh... As we continue reading. And the Mountains Echoed by Khaled Hosseini. Please leave at least one of those actual audio <laughs> cues in. All right. <laughs> I might just. Um, so Ethan and I are going to be sitting here uh, and drinking this uh, Great Northern Distil- Distilling Wisconsin Whiskey, straight bourbon whiskey aged three years. We're going to sit here and drink this for two weeks uh, and come back. So come back in two weeks. And if you've had more thoughts about... Uh, Walker Percy's book, uh, Lost in the Cosmos, The Last Health Help book, please uh, post about it. Let us know. Uh, find us on tapestryradio.org. Leave your feedback in the contact section and put Scotch Talk in the subject line. That'll help us uh, categorize all of the missives we receive. Yep. Uh, <laughs> there are many. So many. So many. Uh, follow us also on Twitter, at Room with Scotch, on Facebook too, and be sure to check out uh, on Facebook, the Tapestry Radio Tap House. Uh, we usually try to keep that updated, at least uh, on the days when we're recording. But uh, if you post something in there, post a question, post a comment, post a thought, uh, we will read it on the air, online, uh, on this podcast. Also, so. shout out to uh, user Redlutch. I, I don't know how to pronounce his name. It's R-E-D-L-U-C-H. Um, whose review I discovered on our uh, pod- podcast addict feed oh um and i don't know Red who lush. you are but you left us a five-star review and hey, we thank you do appreciate it thank you so much um, i should review us for five stars yeah i should too yeah i definitely have to, to get that scene and then stars. i'll and then i'll forget and then i'll uh uh Shout out to myself and yep. there will be a self-perpetuating be cycle in the so, universe we'll thank you red lutch yes for and, your five-star review and we apologize lutch, if, we, uh, if we've totally butchered your name red luke Relach, relach, Well, we definitely have now totally butchered your name, yep. and you're not listening anymore, and you hate us. But <laughs> yep. We apologize for that, and we still thank you for your review. Thank you so much. Yep. And if you are not Redluch, but you like this show, please also do what Redluch does. Don't be not like Redluch. Be like Redluch. <laughs> And rate us on iTunes. <laughs> give us a five-star review. We like that number of stars. Uh, and give us a review. Uh, let us know what you think. Uh, give us all of the feedback. 
Yeah. Yes. Uh, did you say the Twitter things and the Facebook uh, things? The f- Twitter things, Facebook things. Follow us, uh, the whole network, too, Tapestry Radio Network, uh, on the website or any of our shows. I think if you search in iTunes or whatever your podcasting app uh, for Tapestry Radio Network, you will find all of our shows, the shows uh, such as Intermission, our radio drama uh, podcast, uh, which will soon in the nearish future be entering season number two. Yes. Yes. Probably finishing off season number one. Finishing season one and then getting to season two. Getting to season two. It'll it'll come. It's going to happen one way or another. It'll happen. That's all we know, but... Big things are happening in intermission. Okay, you need to not do that. You alarmed the dog. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry. Sorry, puppy. She's she's fine now. Uh, Listen also to Roll to Amble, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition uh, real play podcast. uh, And Pokemon Rollout, the Pokemon Tabletop United RPG podcast. uh, Both of which... Uh, include dice rolling and role playing and Pokemon. No, Roll to Amble doesn't include Pokemon, but dragons. Wait, Pokemon doesn't include dragons. Wait, maybe it does. All right, I don't know. Michael, I'm cutting you off. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so yeah. yeah. Uh, finally, I also write a web comic that is called Pin Porter Girl Detective. Yes, he does. You can find that at pinporterdetective.org.com. Shoot. Ooh, try uh, both of them. Yeah, try and both if of you, them. If you and or get search, a bunch of viruses, blame Ethan. That's you can do that. Um, also, just or search Pin Porter Girl Detective in Google. Probably should be the first thing. I yeah. should probably verify these things before I say them. But you should, whatever. You should, you should check on anyway. That. <laughs> um, the the writing is is a uh, meh because I do it, but the art is great because I don't do it. Um, so there's that. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and we look forward to having you back in two weeks. Bye.
obscurantism and obfuscation. Orally observed, gentle listener, obviated objects of oblivion obambulating about, offered unto you in the Tapestry Radio Network. TapestryRadio.org, from our fancy to yours. Thank you.